Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Hi. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today is Sunday. So it's Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, what do we talk about? We talk about faith and its impact on our lives. So I just want to say good morning to everybody who has joined me. And hi, it's nice to see you all. I hope you're all having a great summer. Are you? I hope everyone is having a great summer and that we're all getting that much needed rest to come back in the fall and to revitalize our immune systems. Yes, rest is important to our immune system. We must rest, (laughs) don't we? We must rest. Take a break, take some rest, revitalize, eat well, eat all the fruits and all the garden produce, all the stuff that comes out of our summer garden. Eat all of that. Eat all the vegetables. Eat everything because our immune system needs a break. That's right. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, lest we forget. And this year, it has affected our summer travel plans. We've scrapped all of that. We're not traveling this summer. We're staying put. So if you live in Michigan, we're vacationing in Michigan. As a matter of fact, you're vacationing in your backyard. (laughs) It's a good idea to stay at home. It's a better idea to vacation in your backyard, right? It's that kind of summer, not because of any other reasons than the mere fact that there is a pandemic out there and that we need to uh, be able to sort of take care of ourselves better, right? It's the best way that I can do it. So I woke up this morning and I, I thought about what I wanted to say today. And uh, it was impressed upon me. I've had this strong feeling, this overcoming sensation that we need to talk about trust and whom do we trust. This is not a relationship story. This is not a story about our interpersonal relationships. This is not a, 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 a missive to those of us who might be married or if you're not married or relationships between you, your spouse, your partner, your children, your family members, your employees. This is about whom do we trust. We're in the midst of a global pandemic, and we're not handling it very well. And it is the first time in American history and in recent American world domination power that we are, that we find ourselves in a situation that is out of our control. Typically, we are the ones dictating and showing the rest of the world how to handle stuff. But here we are in the midst of a pandemic that is about to kill more of us. So far, over 138,000 of us have died from something that's highly preventable, from a disease that's not even really a disease. It's like a flu. It's like an epidemic. It comes and it goes. Yet 138,000 Americans have lost our lives, have lost their lives. That is unprecedented and unheard of. That is something we're not accustomed to. It, it, um, It manages us. 
and it has affected our psyche. And we have to think about it, not just in terms of real time, but also in terms of our military protects us. We have enemies in the world. There are people who want our power. There are people who want our position in the world. Let's be clear about that and not think that we just exist on a planet by ourselves. We have to protect ourselves. What if our military becomes sick? What if our military members, the ones who are manning the satellites, the ones who are manning all the stuff we don't want the population and we don't want the people to know about that we do, what if they become sick? What happens then? And so we find ourselves in the midst of this, and in the midst of this, we don't know what to do. We don't, we, there's no direction because we're protesting at the same time that we have a pandemic. There is politics on both sides of the fence. There's politics that is affecting the way the pandemic is being treated. Imagine that. Politics. Instead of looking at the big picture and looking at the fact that American lives are at stake, we're playing politics with our lives, playing politics at a time when we need direction and need reassurance. We need direction to follow the advice of the health experts. If the man who is holding the highest office in the land is not following the dictates of the health experts, what do you think the people will do? They're going to follow him. He is wrong, and he's being belligerent that he's wrong. And more people are getting sick and dying. People followed him and believed what he said. Now, at a time like this, who do we trust? Whom do we put our trust in? I saw something floating around on social media where somebody said, in Fauci, we trust. I was rolling like it was going out of style. I couldn't believe that people were actually saying, in Fauci, we trust. No, we don't trust in Dr. Fauci as revered and esteemed as he is. That's not whom we're going to put our trust in going through a pandemic with politics hovering and politics dictating how the pandemic is happening. We're not going to do that. We're not going to trust in Dr. Fauci. Yes, we revere his opinion, but that's not whom we're going to trust in. We have protests in the streets. There's a culture war that is taking over this country that we must pay attention to. This culture war is in the vortex, the pandemic, politics, and a culture war. Protest, pandemic, politics, protest, pandemic. It's a three-sided triangle. And here we are. So whom do we trust? We look to our leaders. They're fighting. They're squabbling. They can't agree on a stimulus. Should there be a stimulus? From the very beginning, some of the leaders had had indicated there should be a stimulus because this was going to go on for a protracted period of time. Canada did it. They took care of their folks for three months. England did it. What was wrong with America to have taken care of its people? It's an election year, that's why. So the politics has intercepted how things would normally flow. It is influencing the behavior of political leaders because they want to look good for the cameras, because looking good for the cameras translates into votes. That's what we have become, looking good for the cameras. I thought that stuff was only for entertainment. I thought that was only good for the movies. I had no idea that this was going to impact the delivery of needed and necessary health care. Is this not what we used to criticize other countries about? 
that they were inhuman, that they were not humanitarian to their own people. But here we are doing the very same thing. Whom do we trust? Whom do you put your trust in? So you and I are sitting at home watching this play out. And at the same time, we're looking at ourselves. And some of us have lost family members. Some of us have lost friends. There is not one person, a recent study showed that every, in every life, in one in three Americans has known someone who has been impacted by coronavirus. One in three. Some of us have known people who have lost their lives. Some of us have known people who have become very sick as a result of the coronavirus. Our lives have altered. I know folks who will never go back to work in an office setting. There are some people who never will. They refuse to. It's just not safe. They prefer to work from home. So it has irretrievably impacted our lives. We probably are saving some money because we're not buying coffee on the way to work. We're not wearing tear on our car. You're not spending as much on gas. And guess what? We're not buying clothes to wear to work either. All those were expenses involved with working because we're working from home. And the anonymity of, of an internet ca- of your computer camera, I mean, you can just put it on a top and just hide the rest of you. And we're more comfortable working from home. And guess what? We're even more productive. You get more done because you're focused. Hello, somebody. So it has altered our life. But what about those of us who can't work from home? There are more than 40% of Americans who work in service jobs. That's crazy. So they can't work from home. If they don't work, they can't pay rent. If they don't pay rent, they will be evicted. We have a housing crisis that is at the tipping point caught up as part of this pandemic vortex. Just recently here in the city of Detroit, the 36th district court judge had to revoke all evictions. He said, there's no way I'm evicting anybody in a pandemic where people need to be able to wash their hands and isolate, self-isolate, and practice social distancing. I cried when I read that. It was something that was a heavy burden on my mind. What is going to happen to over 10,000 evictions that were filed in the city of Detroit? This is replicated and duplicated across the country. Black and brown people are disproportionately affected because they work service jobs more than anybody else. Why? Systemic racism, institutionalized racism. When those structural forms of racism are in place, of course it disproportionately affects and impacts those most vulnerable. It is designed that way. And so here we are in the midst of this vortex of politics, protests, and the pandemic. And who is the leader? Where do we get our direction from? Who are we going to trust in? Where, whom are we going to trust? The question is not rhetorical. The question is real. Because rhetorically, you ask it knowing the answer. But this is more than just rhetoric. This is reality. Whom are we going to trust? We can't trust the political leaders. The polls are up and down. I don't follow them. So one minute this one is leading, one minute that one is leading. That's not what is going to dictate it. What is going to dictate is the direct outcome of this vortex, the pandemic, the protest, and politics. That is what is going to dictate who wins the vote in November. So you can sit back and forget about polls. Forget about that. Think about this pandemic. That's what's driving this thing this year. And the way this is looking, it's not going to be good. You look at the numbers across the country. 
you look at the states now in the midst of this, Florida, Arizona, Texas. Let me say that one more time. Florida, Arizona, and Texas. Who live in those states? Primarily brown people. Whom is the pandemic affecting the most? Brown people. Is there any wonder why the governor of Florida does not care and says schools should reopen and people should still go to go out and, and so on? He's following the dictate of a leader who primarily doesn't care about that because this leader is focused on his base. And that's who is driving his decisions because he needs his base to win the vote. So, of course, a larger percentage of the people are going to be left behind. Are you hearing me? When you look at that, whom can you trust? Dr. Fauci says one thing. The CDC says another. Yes, I blame the CDC. They're just as much to be blamed. Why? Because when this pandemic started, everybody else in Europe was saying wear masks. And see, the CDC said we didn't have to wear masks. Anybody remember And then we all started to get sick. People started to get sick in New York. People started to get sick in New Jersey and Connecticut, in Washington, right, in California, and then Michigan. Look at that. That's politics. The CDC played with us. They played with us. Then they, now they say to wear a mask. Now it's become a political feat because now the president is like, I'm not wearing a mask. If the president of the country says he's not wearing a mask, what are we supposed to do? Who are we going to leave so we are now divided? We're a nation divided. We don't even know which flag we stand for. We want a flag. Some people want a flag that divides the country. Some people don't know. The other day I found myself asking the question, well, when we say we swear allegiance to the flag, which flag? Which one? Is it the red, white, and blue with the stripes on it, or are we going to swear allegiance to a Confederate flag? Why are you making a big deal about a flag that is irrelevant and is not constitutionally appropriate? The flag of the United States is the red, white, and blue with the stripes. So what is the deal with making a big deal about the Confederate flag? The Confederate flag belonged 150 years ago to a group of folks who lost the war, and they never forgot. (laughs) Their descendants have never forgotten. The flag that remains is the one that still stands today. I swear allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation. I think that's what we are forgetting, one nation. We've forgotten that part, haven't we? One nation. We can't have a flag that divides us. I agree with the defense secretary. We can't have a flag that divides us, one nation. When we go to battle, we take one flag. When we go out, we fly one flag. One flag, that's one. All glory, that flag. That's the one. This be the flag. Do you understand what I'm saying? So who are we going to trust? There are all these voices. They're all conflicting. The CDC director said something else. He said, well, we're going to issue guidelines about how schools should reopen. Then he said, nah. We're not going to change what we said. Then Dr. Fauci said, schools should not reopen. We need to really look at how we're going to instruct children. The CDC says something else. Whom do we trust? It's a battle of egos, and in the midst of it are the lives of Americans. I am so glad that at this point in time, the rest of the world is kind of 
doing what they feel is best for the people within their borders, except Brazil. But we are caught up in this vortex of politics, pandemic, and protest. And then we have the protest still going on. There is still a battle because there are still violent encounters between black people and brown people and law enforcement. And we can't overlook that until we have fixed that. That's what the protests are about, is to make sure that when encounters do happen between the police and black and brown people, that those encounters do not end up being violent towards black and brown people. Disproportionately, black and brown people are impacted by negative encounters with law enforcement. We have that protest that became a wider protest about structural racism and institutionalized racism. It has different parts because it's structural. It's so, you know, we we tend to use the blanket term of systemic racism, but when you look at it, it's like dissecting a cow. You know, there's structural racism. There's institutionalized racism. There's economic racism. It's so oppressive racism. When you look at all of that, this is what the wider protest became about. And I'm not even going to talk about the whitewashed celebrities, the whitewashed black celebrities who are whitewashed in their opinions, who who show up and don't show up. They're not the leaders of the people, let's be clear. The leaders of the people are people like John Lewis, who died yesterday after 80 years. This man has been fighting since he was 23. He never gave up. He never stopped a fight. He never gave up in his march for civil rights for black people. Never did. He didn't become whitewashed. He became a part of the establishment, the political establishment. He still wasn't whitewashed. But you have celebrities whose lives apparently depend on endorsements, so their opinion is whitewashed. People, they are not your leaders. Celebrities are not your leaders. They're entertainers. Don't look to them for leadership. You look to civic and political leaders. Those are the leaders. You look to the people who are leading the protest. Those are leaders. Look to thought leaders, not people like Kanye who are putting his name on a ballot in Oklahoma. I hope the people of Oklahoma reject him. He's making a joke out of the American political system. How could somebody like Kanye ever think of running for president? Kanye can't even hold a sentence together. He can't even think cohesively, but he's going to run for president. I should put my darn name on it. But wait just a minute here. Come on now. Anybody. That's what we're making a joke out of the political system. Sit down, Kanye. Go sit down and go kiss Kim. That's what you're good for. Come on now, we gotta we gotta get this thing into perspective, right? We gotta put this back into perspective. We're leading a country of over 300 million people. You can't have jokers just thinking they can pontificate and get up and say something and go put their names on ballots. Who are we trusting? We've lost our connection. We've lost our political and moral compass. We don't know which way we're going now. We don't know where we stand. And here we are asking ourselves this question, whom do we trust? Yes, you see now why it's more than rhetorical. Because when you look at all of this stuff floating around us, how can you say, well, Harriet, it's just a rhetorical question. No, it's not rhetorical. We have to be real this time. There is more at stake this time. This time we have our whole nation. If we are not careful, somebody else might come and blow tip us over so they can have control of us. We can't afford for that. We can't afford for that at no time. 
we have to maintain our space in the international race. We have to at all times be at the forefront. I am grateful that we have a military that is 50 years ahead. It's one generation ahead of the next greatest. If that were not the issue, they would have topped us over when we are so distracted by this infighting, this civil insurgency, controlled in a way by the very people leading the process because we don't want to lose what we value the most, which is this, the democracy, this thing here that we have that we call America. This They continually refer to it as a democratic experiment, but we have now learned how vital it is to still have it. That's what we're fighting for. We still want our freedoms, but at the same time, we feel like we have a duty to protect those who are vulnerable. We feel like we need to help those who can't help themselves. That's what this fight is about. And at the same time, we're looking around and 138,000 Americans have died. And this is just now. In another few weeks, that number is going to duplicate. Why? Because there are more people who are sick and are getting infected. And in Texas and Florida, they're out of ICU beds. They're out of ICU beds. That means they have no more spaces. They have converted as many floors in the hospital to ICU units. They're out of ICU beds. We're in the midst of a fight for the very fabric of our nation. And we're worried about a flag that is inconsequential. It's not even legal. No, the Confederate flag is not recognized as the flag of the United States, so it's not legal. It doesn't represent a territory like it represents a state. So it's not a state flag. So it's just kind of an emotional thing, an emotional attachment. It doesn't exist. We should have done it years ago. The only flag that should remain, as the, as the song says, the rockets burst in air, assured us through the night that our flag was still there. I get emotional when I sing that song because we don't understand how powerful our country is and how important it is, how vital it is to maintain the sanctity of these United States. We need to do that, right? We need to do that, right? And we need, to, we need to be able to do it in the sense that we must now come together. As painful as this is, as much as we are divided, as much as we have differing views on how this should be played out, on how this should be done, we must now come together. What will it take for us to come together? What is it going to take? We need direction. There's only one way we're going to get that direction is to look up. We're going to have to trust in God. Yeah, did I say that? Absolutely. See, we're a nation that was founded on a principle and a belief that there is a creator outside of ourselves. There's a guiding principle that guides us to do the right thing. That was the American thing, yeah, to do the right thing. Well, we had issues with slavery. That's why some people fought against slavery because it wasn't the right thing to do. 
We had issues with Jim Crow law. So some people said it's not the right thing to do. So we've always had this itching, you know, this, this friction caused by right and wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to put that into perspective. And let me help you put that into perspective, if you will. Indulge me for a minute or two. It is important to do that because that shows that there are still right-thinking people in the nation. If we're a nation that just has one group of people who think they're always right, then something is wrong with that because you've got to have dissent. Why is dissent important? Because it makes you look back into yourself. So it's okay to have this friction. It's okay for us to disagree. It's part of what makes us American in the first place. It's part of what describes our thinking, our thought processes. It's part of what makes this country great. We have forgotten that. We can't just always sit down and just always agree. No, we're not going to always agree. There's always that friction between right and wrong. And unless, when you don't have that friction, you got to be careful because when that friction does not exist, that means another rule is taking place. You've got to have friction so you know it keeps you on the right path. So we are protesting now because we are off key. We're off the right path. And the friction has developed now to bring us back onto the right path. So who is going to lead us? When there is an absence of leadership and a vacuum in leadership, We've seen examples in the Bible where God steps in. When the people whom the people choose to lead them don't lead, the people cry out, God, where are you? Help us. Right now, have we sent up a collective cry to God? Have we said, Lord, we need you. Come on down, lead us. We just lost one of our greatest leaders, John Lewis. He fought. He helped make America great. He was part of the friction that said, this is wrong. You can't continue to enslave the people born in your own country and treat them badly. You must change. He fought that for most of his life. He passed away. That's leadership. So in the absence of good leadership, in the absence of leadership that causes this friction, this right and wrong, where we must examine ourselves and examine our consciences, We must examine our thought processes and determine how do we get to where we are. We must. And if we don't do that, what do we say? We must. We're at that point. That's what this is about. So now we must look up. That's where our leadership comes from. That's where our guidance is going to come. Let me tell you what's happening. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, if you read down to verses 5 to 6, you know what it says? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will guide your path. America, trust in the Lord. You say you believe in God. You say you're a Christian. We're going to have to trust in the Lord. When you go to bed tonight, trust. When you go to bed tomorrow night, trust. When you wake up in the morning, trust. We don't have a choice. We're going to have to trust in God. We're going to have to trust in God because here's the thing. This pandemic is winding its way through our country. It was in the West. It was in the North. Now it's in the South. It's going to go through the Midlands of the country. So it's going to go. So it's ravaged us from coast to coast, from mountain top, from the top of the mountains in the North, all the way down to the Southern States, right above Mexico. Come on now. 
this pandemic looks like it wants to be our boss. It wants to be our leader. It wants to dictate how we run our country. It wants to dictate whether our children go to schools or not, whether we go to work or not, whether we produce enough toilet paper or not, whether we produce enough disinfectant spray or not. It's like an apocalypse. It's trying to shove its way into our consciousness as if it's the apocalypse. No, it's not. America, we need to trust in God. Folks, we need to trust in God. We need to start thinking about the ways in which we trust in God. I am going to tell all of us we need to start praying again. We have forgotten how to pray. Yes, I know that preachers became pimps in the pulpit. I'm going to accept that. Yes, they misread the Bible. Yes, on the wrong path. Yes, they didn't speak out against structural racism. In fact, they enforced structural racism. Yes, they enforced structural sexism in their pulpits and in the ways of their organizations. Yes, they raped children. Yes, they had sex with people they shouldn't have. Yes, yes, yes. They were not perfect. They were trying and they got caught up in stuff and they were not truthful to us nor to themselves. But that's not who we should put our trust in. We put our trust in God himself. That's why the Bible is written. That's why the Bible is irrevocable, because that's the authority on which you trust. Don't trust in me. I'm human. I am going to be the one who drives on the street tomorrow, and I'm going to have road rage. I'm going to be the one who curses like a sailor. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm going to be the one who does not like what someone else does. I'm going to be the one who stands there and say, really? And mouth off. So don't trust in me, but trust. In God himself, pick up the Bible. It's free. Download it. You don't even have to buy it. It's downloadable from the App Store, from the Google Store. Turn it to Proverbs chapter 3 and read Proverbs chapter 3 where it clearly says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't have to even be a Christian. You don't even have to walk down the aisle to say, I trust Jesus. You just say, Lord, right where you are. Just say, Lord, I don't know. God, I know you must be out there. The sky's too big for you not to exist. They keep trying to find you no matter how they go to space. But God, you must be there. You're hearing us. Please, oh God, help us. Our nation is in trouble. My community is in trouble. My parents are in trouble. My job is in jeopardy. Oh God, help us. My family is in jeopardy. God, help us. And he will help you. He will come to your aid. Come on now, trust in the Lord. You know how I know this is true? You know my story. So years ago, the pattern was set. Yeah? I lived with an abusive husband. I was married. He was abusive. He threatened to kill me. He did mean to kill me. He held a knife to my ribs. This is after multiple beatings. But I didn't want to be a single parent. I didn't want to have to raise up my children by myself. So I stayed in the abuse until it was my life that was at stake. Can you imagine being an undocumented immigrant? Can you imagine having no support? I didn't know what I was going to do leaving my home. I didn't know what awaited me in Detroit where my mother lived. I had to trust God that if I walked away from that abuse and walked out of a 4,000-square-foot home with a pool and a three-car garage behind a gated community that God was somehow going to provide. I didn't know God. I didn't know. I've never seen God. But I took the words of the Bible that God said if I trusted him, he would direct my path. And I did. I'm here today because of that trust. 
when the pandemic started in, in February, before it became an issue here in the United States, I was watching it happen in Europe. And the Lord spoke to me. Yes, he did. He gave me dreams and visions. He said, now go out and get yourself some bleach and disinfectant and hand sanitizer and toilet paper and hand towel. Go out and buy food and store it up in your house. I kid you not. I did that. And here we are today. When everybody else was failing out about not having disinfectant spray and bleach and hand sanitizers and, and sanitation wipes and so on, I had done that. Every, my family laughed at me. My kids laughed at me. I said, what, what, what is mom doing? Is she crazy? What is she talking about? And then the pandemic came and wiped out all of their doubts. The pandemic came and wiped out everything that we believed in. Jobs were no longer exist. We had to trust God that he was going to provide for us through all of that. So when I tell you to trust in God, I'm not telling you in a vacuum. I'm not telling you because I am just mouthing off. I'm telling you my own personal experiences. No, you can disparage against it because maybe you've never been in a situation where you had to trust God. You never had to live with an abusive spouse and you're sitting in a parking lot of a mall and malls are closing. I don't know what I would have done in this time, right? You never had to sit in the parking lot of a mall and wait because you don't want to go home because you don't want your husband to beat you up. Maybe you've never had to trust God. Maybe you never had to rely on the mercy of God so you don't know what it is. But take it from someone who has been there. When I tell you to trust in God, trust in God. When I tell you that you should trust God, trust. When you don't know what to do in the next coming weeks, in the Lord, in whom do you trust? When you don't know what to do when they shut the place down again, Trust in God. When you don't know what to do because the mortgage has been overdue for three months and you don't know what to do, you're going to have to trust in God. When you don't know what to do because your utilities haven't been paid, trust in God. When you don't know what to do because we don't know how this is going to play out. We don't know. There's so much at stake. The peace and security of our country is at stake. Trust in God, when we don't know how many of us are going to not be here after December, trust in God. When this thing comes roiling through like a plague and wipes us out and wipes us and roils us up and we don't know how it's coming up, we're going to have to trust in God. Trust in God. We're going to have to go back to that old time way of believing for ourselves. You're going to have to go back and reading the Bible by yourself and trusting in God that he will illuminate his word so you can have something to hold on to. There are people in, 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 in uh, multiplexes across the country. Can you imagine living in an apartment building and you are trapped? You can't buy a home. You don't earn enough. You're in that structured oppression, economic oppression. You can't buy a home to move out. And homes now are at a premium. If you didn't buy a home before and you're trying to buy one, oh, expect to pay three times what it used to cost. It would normally cost. Because now everyone recognizes that during times like these, you need control over your physical environment. So imagine you are living in some place where you can't control it. You have no control over who comes, who goes. They don't keep the place clean. The garbage piles up. And you're looking at it like my life is not worth anything. How? How do you proceed? We've got to learn to come back to trusting in God. You live way out in the country, way out in rural America. Resources don't even get out there. 
you're probably better off than the rest of us because you can go farm your land and eat your own food. Go get a cow and a chicken and start right there. It's what I would do. I wish sometimes I have land way out in the country. Anybody out there have any land out there? I would go out there and farm my own land, raise my own cows, raise my own chickens. You're better off. You have some control. Put some chlorine, get some bleach, pour some chlorine down in the water and keep the water clear and clean. You realize now how our lives, the modern life that we embrace, how it has caused us to be subject to these kinds of illnesses. How do you think people feel being packed together and compacted together in city spaces? My goodness, think about that. You live, you're practically on top of your neighbor. You live in an apartment building and there are 30 apartments on one floor. So each place has two to four people. That's 120 people right there. You're sharing the common space, the common breathing, because they don't have individual heating and air conditioning units. And you're looking at this thing is spreading from person to person. And there's a flu season coming back. Who do you trust? Remember when this started, the leaders told us that this was a hoax, that this was a China, this was like a flu and it would blow over. Remember that? Here we are today, 138,000 people have died. Remember, they also told us that come summer, it would be evaporated with warm weather, 138,000 people. Right now, the cases have spiked in the hottest states. What do you do? Who do you trust in? You trust in God. He's neutral. He's not on my side, your side, nor anybody's side. He's just standing right there like, hey, y'all, are you going to listen to me now? Have you come to the point where you're going to hear what I have to say? Are you going to follow me now, America, is what God is saying. You ready for me now? You ready to hear what I have to say? You need me. Trust in God. He's going to take us through this. I don't, didn't know where to go when this thing started. When I saw this was coming in February, I had not a clue what was going to happen. I was looking at economic decimation like the rest of us. The little money we had saved, we had to go out and spend thousands of dollars to buy all this stuff. You think it was easy. How do you think I was supposed to feel? I am so grateful that I did. I trusted in God. And instead of going under, I'm normal. I am free from fear. I don't worry about it. The part of it that gets to me is the part that gets to you. Because you are not listening. I want you to get to the same place where you don't have any choice but to trust in God. Right now, most of you are at that point. Admit it. You don't have a job. The unemployment for the pandemic runs out in two weeks at the end of July. They're fighting about whether they should extend it or not. Imagine that. You have started a business for your family that feeds your family, and the politicians are fighting about whether you should get a loan. And when you were paying taxes, they weren't fighting about collecting your taxes. Imagine that. And that business is what keeps your family going. And they're fighting about it. Imagine that. Trust in God. There you are. In the midst of this, you're going to have to trust in God. This is where you say, I have nothing to lose. Literally. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Your business? You'd have lost it anyway. Your life, who knows what's going to happen with it. Your thoughts, your sanity, 
What do you have to lose? Trust in God. Imagine I had two children. One was 11 and the other was 15 months. Are you hearing me? I had to walk away for my life, get in a Toyota Camry, and drive to Detroit from Florida to save my life. I had no savings, nothing. The $500 I had in savings, I used it to pay for the motels when we had to run out of the house so my children and I could sleep in a motel. We were homeless for three weeks. We stayed in a motel. We didn't have a home. I couldn't go back to it. They beat me up and kicked me out. If I stayed there, I would have died. Are you hearing me? I trusted in God. Here I am today, standing firmly on the promises of God, that he who promised is faithful. The Bible says the promises of God are yea and amen. If he promised you, if you prayed about it, if you stood with God in the silence of the night, when you have nothing else to go on, when you have nothing else to lose, when everything else is decimated around you, when everybody has left you and walked away, and in the silence of your heart, you have nobody else. You learn to hear the word of God speaking, that still small voice inside of you, answering you, telling you, hold on, trust in God, deliverance is there. It is that voice that you must hold on to. It is that voice that we have come to now, that we must trust in God, trust in him, hold on to his promises. He has given us a great nation. We're not going to lose America, but we got to hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and trust. Trust in the Lord. Trust in him. Meanwhile, everybody else has something else to say. In the silence of the night, your nighttime might not be night. Your nighttime might not be midnight. Your nighttime might be getting a letter from the bank saying foreclosure on your business, foreclosure on your home. Your nighttime might be a call from the company saying they're coming to pick your car up. Your nighttime might be they're taking everything and the kitchen sink. Trust in God in that moment. Trust in the Lord. Hold on to him. That's what I did. I didn't have a choice. I had nothing underneath me. Everything that I held dear that I thought was life was removed from me. I no longer had a home. I didn't know what I was going to do. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I survived. You will too. I had no home for three weeks. No home for three weeks. I was in a motel with two children. One was 11 and one was 50 months. Imagine the baby is used to running around our house. She doesn't know anything else. And here she is in a motel with some crappy looking carpet that looked like Nene and Sherry and them had played on it. Can you believe that? You went from the pit, from the palace, straight down to the pit. In one fell swoop. Come on now. You learn to trust in God. This is why today I'm not moved by the isms and schisms. And people talk and they talk. Talk is cheap. But when it comes right down to it, who is the deliverer? Who delivers is what I pay attention to. Talk is cheap. You can say a whole lot of stuff. But when it comes right down to it, who will deliver? America, we need to go back to this. We have derided the Bible. Yes, there have been some bad actors and actresses. There have been some people who have purported that word. 
and mistreat them, mistreated it and wrapped it up and packaged it so they can make millions off it. Good luck to them. We'll see them in the street by and by. But right now, right where you are, regardless of what has happened, regardless of who has happened, here we come to this point where we have no choice but to trust in the Lord. I say to you today, trust in God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I am a living witness. I've told you my story. Read my book, Through the Fire. You will see where I had no choice. Imagine, just read. Look at me. Look right here. Look at me. I had no choice. After that debacle that I left Orlando and I was homeless for three weeks, and then I moved to Detroit to live in my mother's house. Imagine a full-fledged adult with two children. I left my mother's house from I was 16, y'all. I did not go back till I was 36, after 36. Can you imagine? Some 20 years. Now I'm coming back as an adult with children. How do you think I felt? I could not look at the situation. It would have intimidated me. That's what we're facing in America today. You can't look at the situation. I had to look up and trust in God and just like an energizer bunny, just motored my way through it. Just powered myself up by looking up and trusting in God that I don't know how this is going to work out, Lord, but I trust you that it's going to work in my favor. I trust you and I trusted God and it worked out. I have published three books, Visions, Musings of the Spirit, and Through the Fire, working on my fourth book. I've been on radio and television. I've traveled around the country telling others how to do this. Look at me. That happened because I trusted in God. That happened because God stood by me. Now, it's up to you. What whom do you trust? Having heard this, you see the evidence. I used to wonder, how could I do this? (laughs) I used to wonder at that, but now I know the evidence. The weight and the preponderance of the evidence. My name is Harriet Kamak. You can put my name in Google. You will find my story. You will find that I've been at this for some 10, 11 years now, telling people about this. You will find that my story is true. When I say trust in God, it's because I lived it. It's not because somebody left me an inheritance or I married a rich man and he gave me everything. It's because I started with nothing, and from nothing, God made something out of it. They often say that your mess becomes a message. It is true. My mess became a message that defined my life. Musings of the Spirit, visions, through the fire, after the fire, the long goodbye, and all the books that have left to be published and produced. God has done a miracle with all of them, with me. He will do the same for us, but we're going to have to trust him. We're going to have to take his word. Don't take my word. Despite the preponderance of the evidence, I am just a witness and just a messenger to say that it can be done if you trust in him, but it's up to you. You're going to have to just trust. So I invite you now, trust, trust in God, trust him. Trust in. The Bible says, I leave you with these words. They're eternal. Trust in the Lord 
Lean not to your own understanding. You know what that means? That means right there where you are, you got the letter of eviction. You got the letter of foreclosure. You got the letter that you can't go back to work. Don't trust in that. That's leading to your own understanding. That's you trying to understand, how am I going to go through this? Then you go to the doctor and they test you positive for COVID. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't trust in that. Trust in God. Use all of that and say, Lord, what do I do now with this? This is my life right here, hanging in your hands. What do I do with this? That's what I did. I had a 15-month-old baby and an 11-year-old child. And I had to hold them. And I said, Lord, what do I do with this? These are my children. What have I done? Where do I go? Can you help me? So my children will never experience this. Today, that 11-year-old is a lawyer. Today, the 15-month-old is an enrolled freshman at Michigan State University. Don't tell me God does not work miracles. Don't tell me God does not do great things. And so I invite you today, trust in the Lord. My name is Harriet Kemas. You can find more information about me at HarrietKemas.com, as well as go to my website and find my pages on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so on. Get my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com in this. I chronicle the stories of my life. My book, Musings of the Spirit, will inspire you. It will make you feel. It will take you through this time. I pray for all of us as we go through this week, whatever comes, we're going to look up and we're going to trust in God. When all of it comes before you, all the stuff, the firings, the evictions, the divorce, even during this, through all of that, through it all, through it all, you're going to hold it up to God and you're going to say, Lord, I trust in you. That girl, Harriet, she said she trusted in you. And as far as I can see, Jesus, she published three books and she raised the two children, one of whom is a lawyer now, the other one is on her way to medical school. Lord, if you did that for her, surely, surely you can take the mess of my life and do something with it. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you. And I pray peace over all our hearts. If you are sick in your body, I pray that you are healed right now by the name of Jesus. If you need money, I pray that God works a miracle and send money to you today. If that is how, I don't care how it comes, whether it's a stimulus or somebody owes you a long time or some lawsuit finally came to conclusion, whatever it is, I pray that every need you have is met. I know God can do it because he did it for me. And if he did it for me, he surely can do it for you. Thank you so much, everybody. I'll see you next time on Down to Earth. This is why we are Down to Earth. Thanks so much for your support. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. God bless you. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be blessed. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.